Hi, Phil. How are you doing? Tony, I'm good. How are you? I'm uh, I'm really, really well. Really well. Uh, so what are, we, uh, what are we up to this week then, Phil? Well, lots of golfing apart from tonight. Uh, <laughs> I see that you've been outside from the, uh, from the colour. Well, I'd like to blame it on my camera. I, I think there's something wrong with the colour contrast. I'm not sitting here with a great big beetroot bald head, honestly. We're all full of excuses, aren't we? I have this beautiful <laughs> mahogany golfing tan. <laughs> a red bowling ball. <laughs> <laughs> so um so i i feel i feel honored phil you, you are a man that plays golf every single evening it's a glorious summer evening and you're sitting indoors what's going on well that's how committed i am to you and the listeners <laughs> excellent so uh so what is the subject of the week then we're going to be talking about the ules extension from august 2023 sexy huh <laughs> it's well it's the sexiest subject we've ever covered on the driver hire podcast i have to say it's well, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a well it's a bit of a chewy subject isn't it phil i mean it's um it's it's a it's a, a bit to get your teeth into i am interested to see how we're going to make this exciting well i think that there's two different people two different opinions to this there's mm-hmm. the people who like it and the people that don't so if we keep it as factual as possible then people can come to their own conclusions i suppose uh, well, I think that's I think that's fair. So, uh, so let's crack on. So, Tony, um, tell me, what is the ULES zone? Ah, well, uh, there's effectively two ULES zones. There's the existing ULES zone, and there's the uh, soon to be expanded ULES zone. So, the existing ULES zone is the area that goes out to, but not including the north and south circular, uh, which is like an inner ring road around London for those not familiar with it. And those that are familiar with it will know it as a car park. But um, outside of that area currently is not a ULES zone, um, but it will be. So ULES will expand on the 29th of August out to the periphery of the Greater London Authority area. So that's not quite as far out as the M25, but but that sort of, um, you know, if you want a, a rough picture of it, it's kind of that sort of distance. Okay. And I think we all know why we're getting a ULES zone or an expanded ULES zone, but who, who's it going to affect? Well, we, we know why, because we're trying to improve air quality. And, and um, who's it going to affect? Well, anybody who, who wants to drive a car, in the the expanded ULES area where their car or truck for that matter isn't compliant. And there's different types of vehicles, so therefore different types of people will be compliant or not. Am I right? Yeah, exactly. So if you talk about private cars um initially, if you if you are a driver of a diesel vehicle, your uh, emission standard has to meet Euro six and Euro six uh, was compulsory on all cars by about 2016. Okay. Although some manufacturers would have hit that standard before others. So that the, the date isn't as important as knowing the specific vehicle. And then if you're talking about petrol, you go back to 2005 um, and it's the Euro 4 standard. So again, some manufacturers are making Euro, uh, Euro 4 standard prior to that date. So again, it's about checking the specifics of your vehicle, not just worrying about the date. So that nobody has to remember what you've just said, 
<laughs> Where can we go and check that? <laughs> it's almost like you spoon-fed that question for me to tell you. What a segue. <laughs> yes. Um, so, um, yeah, so if you go to uh, tfl.gov.uk, so that's Transport for London uh, website, on the very front page, it will say Vehicle Checker. Click the button, type in your registration number, and you'll find out straight away whether your vehicle is compliant or not. Okay, so we're... we're, we're... I suppose what we're talking about is how this is going to affect drivers, our mm-hmm. drivers and, and people with domestic vehicles, but also our customers with, with commercial vehicles as well. Mm. Yeah. So um, the you know, users of commercial vehicles, operators of commercial vehicles, should I say, uh, operating in London are used to the existing ULES scheme. Uh, they're also uh, familiar with the low emission zone scheme, which has only been applicable to commercial vehicles, um, and, but is actually the same map as the expanded uh, ULES. If you're operating a commercial vehicle and you're already on Euro 6 engine, uh, there is no congestion charge. Um, sorry, there's no ULES charge. The only thing you would pay is congestion charge if you went into inner London. If you have a Euro 5 vehicle, then you would pay £100 per day to go into the LEZ, so the low emission zone, £12.50 for the ultra low emission zone. And if you went into the congestion charge zone, you'd have to pay £15 for that. Uh, But you must also comply with the DVS, which is the uh, direct vision standard, which is, uh, funny enough, another episode of the podcast, which you can uh, go and find. We'll talk about direct vision, but... Essentially, the idea is um, the, the vehicles going to central London are required to have um, more direct vision out of the cab, therefore safer for pedestrians and cyclists and other road users Vulnerable around it. Vulnerable road users. Vulnerable road users, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not being controversial here when I say this. Maybe I am. Make your own mind up. But if you can't afford a newer vehicle as a business or you can't afford a newer vehicle as an individual, you're the one who's going to be paying the fine. How does that stack up? Uh, well, to, to pay to drive in the zone is £12.50. If you choose to drive a vehicle without paying the daily charge, uh, then it's £180 penalty, reduced to 90 if you pay it quickly. But yeah, if you if you have a non-compliant vehicle, you're going to be paying £12.50 for any calendar day that you drive in the area. So, um, you know, a, a journey going into and out again that crosses midnight would actually be £25, not £12.50. So let's put a positive spin on this, shall we, Tony? So um, when the scheme was launched in 2019, only 39% of vehicles in the initial ULES zone were actually compliant. And that clearly needed to change, didn't it? Mm -hmm. Uh, If you fast forward to today, 94% of vehicles using the inner existing zone um, are actually compliant. So there's less people having to pay the fine. Mm-hmm. The environment is better. So therefore, the vehicles are more compliant. And that can only improve with people upgrading their vehicles all the time. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And and it is the case. So um, Transport for London are monitoring vehicles using what is to become the expanded ULES zone. They monitor it through something called, uh, well, we know as ANPR, uh, which is Automatic Number Plate Recognition. Um, so already they know that 90% of vehicles driving in the outer or the soon-to-be-expanded ULA zone are actually already compliant. So in terms of the, the money that's generated, uh, the, 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 the figure coming down will actually is actually a good thing. 
um, because if they're charging less, that means that there's more compliant vehicles on the road, which means that it can't be questioned as a money-making scheme. So the money that's being created at the moment is being reinvested in London and the infrastructure and the environmental schemes such as cycle zones and bus lanes. Uh, the less vehicles that are, that are non-compliant means that the money's coming down. So it can't be questioned whether it's a money-making scheme or a profiteering. Um, it's simply being reinvested into what it needs to to make it more environmentally friendly. Hmm. I mean, yeah, that's exactly the stated pur- purpose of, um, you know, what will happen to that money, yeah. What a very balanced view we had. So this ties in with a, a conversation that I was going to bring up, actually. So an awful lot of people are actually thinking about changing their cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a scrappage scheme as well, isn't there, that the uh, the government have, uh, have, have launched and have funded? Yeah, so um, it's, well, it's, it's not the government, it's Transport for London. Um, and it's um, there's a fund of 110 million, which sounds great, but it's only really available to people, um, or the the bulk of it's only really available to people that have uh, you know, low income or disability benefits, those kind of things. So, for example, the top award would be somebody scrapping a car that was a wheelchair accessible car, um, and there's up to five thousand pounds available for that. Um, and it you know, works its way down from there. Um, £2,000 for a standard car, £1,000 for a, a non-compliant motorbike. Okay, yeah, I think uh, families on low incomes and anybody claiming child benefit as well. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a it's an odd thing because, um, you know, it, it's quite likely that the people who are most likely to have older vehicles and therefore non-compliant vehicles are likely to be people on lower incomes, which is probably the people that could least afford the £12.50, which is you know, when when you hear the negative press, it's it's that angle that you that you hear most. But that £2,000 contribution also doesn't contribute enormously towards a compliant vehicle because it's going to be more expensive, isn't it? Well, indeed, um, but there are other things um, that you can get, which is help towards um, public transport. Um, so uh, you can put in claims for for travel expenditure. Um, so you know, if people were encouraged to get rid of a car completely, they could still benefit in that way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's 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 not ideal for people in that situation, of course. Um, it's down to the individual as well. The right to work scheme is something that's been around for a while, isn't it? That mm. uh, If you do live close enough that you can cycle to work, then you can actually pay that back in monthly installments. And that's before your tax and your uh, national insurance are taking out your wages. So in effect, it's like having 30% off a brand new bike. So it's, it's, yep. it's an advantage. It's going to encourage people back onto the onto the cycle lanes, which is hopefully what the ULAS is going to pay for. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I noticed during the um, the COVID lockdown, obviously a few years ago now, um, lots of people were minded to not get on a bus for hopefully ob- obvious reasons. There was a surge in in sales of push bikes and e scooters, um, and you know, I did wonder how much of that would carry on after lockdown. Um, I don't know, um, but there's certainly there's certainly schemes within this that would allow and encourage people to do that, which um, you know, which is good. It's a more attractive option during the summer as well when it's winter. Not, <laughs> well, not for sure, Tony. Not for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So um, one one of the other things that we did in Croydon was to to look at how it affects our drivers, and we did a. Um, a fairly uh, fairly extensive survey um and and just 
spoke to every single one to say, well, what's your current situation? Um, is, is your car compliant? Um, is it not? Do you use public transport? What, what do you do? And, and we discovered that um, nearly three quarters of our drivers are driving compliant vehicles anyway. Um 10% of our drivers use public transport to get to work. And, and the closer you are in as a driver hire business to central London, the more of your drivers that, that do and can use public transport to get to work. So some of our neighbours um, in the southwest and southeast postcodes uh, often have quite a large work, large part of their workforce using public transport. For us, that's 10%. Uh, we had 17.5% um, of our drivers had non-compliant vehicles. So then we asked the su supplementary question to those drivers of non-compliant vehicles, well, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Um, and um, I thought some of those might say, well, I'll switch to public transport, Tony. Um, I thought the odd one might say, well, if I have to, I'll pay the charge. Uh, nobody said either of those two things. Um, pretty much, uh, the the apart from I think one person that was undecided, they all said, Actually, I'm in the process of changing my car anyway. Um, and and most of those, um, you know, it, being a truck driver is not the best paid job on the planet. It's not the worst. It's not the best. So we're not talking about people buying necessarily brand new cars, but there's enough scope in a petrol engine that you can have uh, an old enough car for it to be affordable um, without it being so old that it's, you know, outside the um, outside the requirements. But if you, if you had a diesel car and you change into a petrol car, there's a cost there for changing your vehicle. Mm. If you don't, and a driver can't afford an additional twelve pound fifty a day just to get to work. Yeah, and and so yeah, transport issues that we've got in our area. May, it may not be applied to us because we're outside of it, of course. But maybe something for your guys is that the, the industry that we're in. These guys can start at 5, 5.30 in the morning, and public transport might not even be running at that time of the day. Mm. So it might not even be an option. It may be too far for a bike. The public transport might not be working. So your 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 your, your options are lessening, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, and and yeah, and that's that's why I think we're in the situation where all but one said, I'm in the process of changing my car. <laughs> that's yeah. But, and, and yes, I mean, you know, we do have some customers that don't start. As early as that, most of our customers are on bus or tram routes or train routes. Um, but e even where we are, the, the view is from those currently non-compliant people, just changing my car. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it's something that whether you whether you want to or not, you're going to have to do. Mm. Just whether whether the individual can afford it in 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 that instance, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Um, so yeah, I mean the the I suppose the big problem is if you if you do have a non-compliant car, its value will have um diminished. It will have depreciated faster than a compliant car. So um it, even for example, swapping a, a 2012 diesel for a 2012 petrol, you know, there, there, there's going to be a cost difference because yours will have depreciated. Um but it seems for for you know for the research we've done that that that's exactly what a driver's going to do. I suppose it's no surprise that we buy any car and car wow and kazoo and other car buyers are available that <laughs> they're, they're popping up from everywhere because maybe they've seen this coming it might be a, a small or a large part as to as to why the the they're all popping up from behind the back of the sofa aren't they they're just <laughs> everywhere I, 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 
I, you know, I, I put a, um, you know, the, the wee Bernie car thing, I put a quote in for mine, just say, oh, I wonder what it's worth. I wonder if it's depreciated because of all of this. Uh, the answer, by the way, is yes. But my God, I get spammed on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's um, it's relentless. Your price until you've given them your email address, and then yeah, it's ping, ping, ping. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, so yeah, for, for for our drivers then, so yes, they're affected. Um, a small amount of them, yes, they're changing their cars. Um, and the. They're very prepared, very aware. Um, but these are, of course, people that live inside the zone. Um, the other thing I think is is uh, quite interesting for our drivers is that if you were to go on the TFL website, there are a huge amount of companies that sell uh, bikes, e-bikes, scooters that are giving massive special offers to you know to help people switch to that kind of mode of transport if they want to. Right. Okay. So we kind of talked about. Um, what it might mean for our customers. We've talked about what it might mean for our drivers. Um, but I suppose really to finish up, what do we think? Um, I, I think in the in the grand scheme of things, of course it's a good idea because we don't want anyone else dying or increasing the uh, the chance of death from these things that you mentioned, like cancer and asthma. And even if it's a secondary or a tertiary reason why people might be getting these things, we've got to do everything to try and prevent it. So of course, anything that goes towards cleaning the environment is a good thing. I suppose I can relate it to when the HGV CPC came in in 2014. All the skeptics were saying they're just trying to make 300 quid out of me every five years. Although the, the, the number of deaths in the first five year cycle of CPC was actually reduced by a third. So surely the re-education of an HGV driver through CPC means that that's contributing largely towards the the, the diminishing numbers of, of deaths. So if we can do something towards diminishing the amount of nit nitrogen dioxide and particulate matter in the air, yes, I was reading that, then um, then it can only be a good thing, can't it? Well, I, I agree. I mean, the thing is, though, we're both fathers of, um, well, as it happens, daughters, and um, I don't want my daughters breathing in dirty air. Of course I don't. Um, and, and, and so... You know, anything we can do to clean the air, in my opinion, has got to be a good thing. But what I would say is that it feels to me like we've we already had or have um, ways of doing that built into the to the tax system anyway. So, for example, you know, if you drive a great big gas guzzling SUV, your road tax for the year is, you know, north of six, seven hundred pounds. Um, you're paying a huge amount of fuel duty. And of course, the more uh, the, 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 yeah, the less miles per gallon your vehicle does, the more fuel duty you pay. So you've already got two straight away incentives to not drive a big gas guzzling car. So so forget the Euro 6543, whatever. If you were just to add a little bit onto fuel duty and a bit more onto the road fund license for big gas guzzling cars, and 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 that and that extra little bit of taxation was diverted to to organisations like Transport for London. Then you've already got that tax collection system. You've already got that incentive, and you haven't got a cost of collecting a new tax and the camera infrastructure. So, so I think my conclusion, Phil, would be right idea, wrong method. I'd vote for you, Tony. Stick that in your manifesto. That's brilliant. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, I think between us, we've both given a, a very balanced view there, the environmental view and also the, the pragmatic driver's view. And, yeah. and either is right or wrong. 
Mm. Um, you know, there's some clean area, um, clean air uh, zones coming in soon, isn't there? Um, let me read them in alphabetical order. Bath, sorry, Bath for your southerners. Uh, Birmingham. Bradford, no, I, I, I can understand Blackpool, Phil. It's fine. <laughs> well, that was a B as well. I'll start again. Uh, Bath, uh, Birmingham, <laughs> Bradford, Bristol, Portsmouth, Sheffield, Tyneside, and soon to be Granger, Manchester under a review. Um, so clean air. Ulez, it's 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 coming in. There's nothing we can do about it. We need to arrest this uh, this environmental slide before it goes too far. We're probably of a of a certain vintage Tony, where it's probably not going to affect us. But you know, generations on it might, and it's our mm. responsibility to to do something about it now before it becomes too late. Well, indeed, Phil. Yep, indeed. So, if you've enjoyed it, please do rate, review, and subscribe. Um, and if you would like to check your vehicle, uh, go to tfl.gov.uk. If you want to get in touch with me or Phil, you can find us at thedriverhirepodcast.co.uk. Uh, so until next time, it's goodbye from me. Tony, I want to thank you. This is my debut. You're taking my virginity to this evening. So thank you very much indeed for, uh, for taking me by the hand, taking me through it. If anybody's listening to the first time because of me, then um, then thank you and listen next time because it's probably going to be a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. All right, Phil. Thank you very much. See you next time. Thanks, Tony.